Welcome to the Storied Podcast. This week we talk about our 2020 group antelope hunt. We explain what it took to get four doe and one buck permit in our hands, and then also break down our experience trying to fill those permits. We invite Matt and Johnny Hogan onto the podcast to help us unravel this group adventure. So buckle up, this should be a fun one. Welcome everybody. I think we'll start it off by just introducing our guests. We have Johnny and Matt Hogan, and then also Ruben and I. Um, I think we'll start it off too with some introductions. So if Matt, you wanna go ahead and start that. Yep. Uh, so everybody here has known each other for a while. Uh, Ruben, um, it, we went to high school together um, and then Ryan, I've known for a while, but not quite as long. I met Ryan through Ruben after uh, the two of them went to uh, Stevens Point together. Um, and then Johnny is my brother. Um, so uh, You guys yeah. know him from a young age. Yeah, we've known <laughs> each other a while. Where are you at now, Matt, in Minnesota? Yep, so I live in Winona, uh, Minnesota. I've been here since 2017. Um I was in Palatine with Ruben growing up until 2013, and then I was in Dubuque, Iowa for undergrad until 2017, and then came up here to Winona for grad school, and I've been here ever since, so. Cool. Yep. Cool. How about you, Johnny? Tell us a little about it, yeah. So I'm, uh, yes, I am I am Matt's brother. I'm Johnny, so I've known, known Matt quite a bit. Uh, Ruben and I, uh, have known each other for a long, long time as, as well, uh, all the way back to, back to junior high. Uh, and then Ryan, I actually met in Casey, Wyoming. <laughs> oh, that was the first time you met him. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Where are you at now? I'm in, I'm in Portland, Oregon, out here in the Pacific Northwest. Nice. Bun. And I'm yeah, Ruben. we'll dive. I'm oh yeah, Ruben, Ruben and Ryan. Yeah, I'm I'm on here quite a bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, known these guys a long time, and we're also missing a couple of people that were on the hunt: AJ Laskowski, who is Matt and Johnny's cousin, and then Cam Cuxa, who is uh, a friend of ours from high school as well that we've known a long time, and they were on the hunt. Couldn't be on the podcast tonight. Yeah, because that dang basketball game. They're both in Colorado. Nuggets are in the NBA Finals, so I don't know. But, yeah, I think we'll dive right in. You know, we went on a 2020 uh, antelope hunt, all of us together. Thought it was a good good idea to get us all together and go on a hunt. But we usually we start this podcast breaking down a meal we had this week. But I think what we'll do is kind of break down the meals we had at camp, that trip. So I don't know, Ruben, you want to start off with the one that we remember the most was the bear stir fry. Yeah. Yeah. My last name happens to be fry. So there you go. Um, <laughs> Bingo. But uh, I actually ended up uh, shooting my first black bear ever. First black bear hunt ever. Like had to been like 10 days or less before going on this hunt. And um, yep. so I had never even eaten any black bear and never tasted black bear uh until this hunt actually i like had just gotten finished cleaning that bear up and get it in the freezer and I, I took some of it out and i was like you know what i'm gonna save this 
and um, do it up stir fry style. Didn't really know how to cook beer at all. I knew you have to cook it well done to make sure you don't get trichinosis, but I wanted to taste it with all my buddies on the Wyoming hunt for the first time. And so everybody could get a taste of beer. And I think, I'm not sure if Matt and Johnny, did, was that the first time that you guys also ever tasted beer? I, I think it, I think it was. Yeah. And I had had, yeah, I had had bear uh, sticks from somebody in the past, but I don't really count that as, I mean, you, yeah, you like couldn't salt really and smoke. Yeah. Right. Right. So that was the first time I had had actual bear. Ruben, yeah. that, that's not the bear in question behind you, is it? Yeah, that is it actually. <laughs> so I'm in my I'm in my loft, and uh, and and if you see uh, any of this on our Instagram with the video, the rug from that bear is actually over my right shoulder in the background right now. Didn't plan that. The fifth, um, the fifth guest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Introduce yourself. <laughs> but anyways, and then Ryan's eaten bear before. Ryan's from Central Wisconsin, and he's had bear before. Um, and. I think he was saying he's never really had bad bear. So, yeah, so this bear I shot was really fatty, definitely into it? the berries. It, like the actual fat on the bear was kind of a bluish purple tint when I when I cleaned it. Um, but anyway, so I brought that. Uh, forget exactly what cut it was. I think it was backstrap. I think I took the backstrap and uh, sliced it up just into really small, you know, um, stir fried pieces and marinated that in teriyaki with some garlic powder for like a while because I had done that before leaving for the hunt and we ended up eating that bear two days after like I left for the hunt. So it had been marinating for like two days. And then I also brought it uh, white rice out there and some onions, bell peppers, and um, probably carrots and some cauliflower broccoli. And yeah, I made a stir fry and, and it was phenomenal. And that's what made, I, I was not sure I was going to hunt bear after that. Cause I didn't have the greatest experience killing that bear. And then once we, ate that out there i was like oh boy i gotta i gotta go kill more of these because <laughs> it tastes so good but um and everybody i think everybody really liked really enjoyed that but basically yeah that was on that was after the first day wasn't it we all hunted all our first day opener and then we had that yeah and it was my birthday that was my birthday bear stir fry oh yeah that's uh, true yeah Ruben, I was just going to say that this is this is not an exaggeration. That bear stir fry you made is the greatest game meal I've I've had in my life. No question. That's that's a big honor. I think too, <laughs> a lot of a lot of the time you're out there in the backcountry, and it enhances how much it's flavorful because you're out there all day like hiking, and you're like, I just want to eat, and then no a question. good meal out there, it's like, oh my gosh, this is fucking mind blowing. Yeah, and. The thing was about that is we were cooking on your camp chef in probably 35 degrees and we knew we had to get yeah. this bear up to 160 internal. So we cooked the piss out of it. And basically the outsides of it was like crisped up, almost burnt. And like, I was like, did, like, cause I was worried about the trichinosis. I'm like, dude, there's no way this is going to be like not dry and tough. And it was just like tender as can be and moist and just sweet like beef taste it like porkish kind of it's just so freaking good and that sold me what i'm bear what is the uh speaking of the trichinosis do you what's the percentage of bears in that area where that came from that are likely infected with the trichinosis i actually don't know that off the top of my head um but i think i heard somewhere that in montana it's like um 
if a bear hits a certain age, I think it was like five-year-old bears plus or something like that. It was like 90% or something like that. So a lot. Don't, yeah, don't quote me on that, but it's, you should probably assume that the bear has trichinosis. I think that most bears by the time their life is over, like contract it at some point. And is it a regional thing or is that everywhere? Oh, it's everywhere. I mean, it used to be in the um, pork supply in the country. That's why, you know, FDA cooked pork to 160, but like they've pretty much gotten oh, yeah. completely out of the domestic right. stock now. But um, yeah. yeah, so it's, it's widespread. It's everywhere. It's, it's any, any omnivore, I think, or carnivore will get that because yeah. it's, it's eating, the cysts that live in the flesh of another animal in the like larval stage. And then I think, and then they eat that and then they infect the, the host. So herbivores don't get it, but anything that eats any meat. Right. But, yep. Yeah. So Speaking that was about meal. that appealing, appealing thing. Um, and then, uh, yeah. What else do we cook? We had some wood duck. You remember yep, Matt, so how you I, did that? Yeah. So I don't remember the, the order of everything, but I remember we did like everybody, everybody was kind of going to be responsible for one meal. And obviously Ruben did the bear. And then, um, we had had a really good stretch of wood duck hunting the week before we came out. So I had a, a bunch of wood ducks that I had to eat. I like to clean my ducks where I pull out the entire breastplate and leave the meat on the breastbone. And, um, I, so they were like that, and then I like to leave the skin on them too. So can't remember what, exactly what the marinade was, but I think I just grilled them on your. Uh, what did you have there that we were? We Little were, cam chef, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't, I didn't bring my Traeger, did I? We didn't do that on Traeger. Mm-mm. No. no okay, so. it must. It was on your cam. I, I, I do have. I got a Ranger Traeger that can, that can you know, fit in the back of the truck. Maybe no, I didn't bring that. It was on your camp chef. But yeah, we yeah. just grilled them up like that on there so but yeah and another meal i think we had was some elk burgers of an elk i shot in utah and i think there yeah i just mixed them uh 70 to 30 mostly elk some pork um because i could get these uh bacon pieces for like dirt cheap out in utah so i took that mixed it up and then i usually had a mix that i added in there and i think we did that and topped it with whatever you want you know I don't want to get off topic, but um, yeah. do you guys still mix your ground, whether it's elk, whitetail, or whatever? Do you still mix it with pork for burgers, or uh, rarely? What do you do? Yeah, the, the way that I, I haven't I been do mixing it, it. The way that I do it is like almost anything. I don't mix any fat into my wild game, um, and I'm gonna supplement that with like spices or any type of sauce and some butter. Well, I put I cook in bear grease, so that that moistens it up a little bit too. But when I'm making burgers, the problem is that they dry out and the burger patties fall apart easier. So I generally yeah. um, I package all my game with no fat added. And then when I take out a pound or two to make it a burger, I will take that and, and bef- like right before I cook them, I'll throw it through a meat grinder with bacon or fat plus like veggies, cheese, whatever, and make like, you know, juicy Lucy's and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't ever mix it in before I freeze it. Gotcha. Yeah, I still add some pork, but then also another fun tip might be uh, like high temp cheese if you're doing burgers and stuff like that. Instead of doing any pork, 
instead of adding a fat, you could add a high temp cheese there to make it bond a little better and stuff. But yeah, or, uh, yeah, I, I'm Polish, so I got an have egg. Pork an egg. There, yes. <laughs> an egg works too with some breadcrumbs yeah, and stuff. Egg. Yeah. Yeah. But, I find that I like it enough without adding the pork, but that that fat does help keep those burgers together on the grill. Yeah, just keep them stuck together. Because really, you think in reality, they're still probably about the same dryness, unless you're doing fifty fifty, like I'm doing thirty seventy or even less than that sometimes, and they're still dry. But I'm just kind of using it as a bonding agent. But yeah, I like to make my burgers not dry with spices and sauces, not not yeah as much but yeah so we just went over yeah. the three three meals though and also on the, back to this hunting trip ryan was whipping up breakfast every morning for us because me and ryan mm. need to eat a big breakfast unlike matt and johnny <laughs> do you eat breakfast do we do we eat breakfast <laughs> do you eat breakfast do you eat breakfast <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I'm a regular three meals a day kind of guy. <laughs> All right. Good. Yeah, I don't, I don't, but Ruben, <laughs> Ruben takes breakfast to another level. There's a difference between, yeah, I'll eat breakfast and like Ruben has to have eggs and bacon every morning. Even if you're, okay, even if it's a 4.30, a.m. wake up call, Ruben's like, oh, I'm going to wake up at 4.02 and start the bacon. Uh, I'm the same way. I, I don't. Yeah, think I, you, I don't think you did that at the bachelor party, Ruben. I don't remember that. <laughs> oh, I was eating a lot, but we're 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 veering off topic now, talking about that trip. Um. <laughs> anyways, but uh, so Ryan was cooking. I, a bunch I'm of an food. opportunistic breakfast eater. I will if you're making it, I'll eat it. But I can get up and go out, and I don't. I'll I'm be in, fine until like, I'm an obligatory breakfast eater. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so Ryan was cooking up just pretty simple. It wasn't anything extravagant, but it was good old egg sausage and some pancakes maybe, I think, and got us going in the mornings. But so we talked about the three dinner meals. I already know from Johnny, he just said that that black beer was the best meal of his life, which is amazing. Um, but <laughs> Matt and Ryan, what was what was your favorite or uh, what did you like about one of them that wasn't the black beer, if that was your favorite? Uh, yeah i mean that that was like we mentioned before that was the first time i had had black bear like that so that was that was pretty significant that's what that was my favorite one takeaway too i liked because i remember matt doing that didn't didn't he have some teal in there too matt could have been yeah yeah and I, i you know there's not a lot of meat on a teal I just liked how he cleaned his birds and had that bone in, and you could kind of pick it off so then you don't waste any meat. That, yeah, that is the, a great, great tactic. Yeah, cleaning the teal like that is like like with the other ducks, it's kind of like you could just breast them out or you could leave yeah. the breastplate in. It's kind of like your call, but with the teal, you got to do them like that because yeah. the piece of meat is so small that yeah. you got to just pull the whole thing out. <laughs> you get more off of a turkey wing. Yeah. 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 But – I think transitioning into that, you know, we had so much fun cooking and eating and stuff. Um, but like what stemmed us kind of all getting together? What was the plan there? Um, I think Ruben, you had more of, I know me and you have talked when we both moved to Utah of like getting everybody together. A lot of us have moved out West and doing a central hunt of some sort. Yeah. So Ryan and I used to live in Utah, not, not in the same spot, but we both used to live in Utah working fisheries. And, um, 
we were looking at Wyoming, I think, just like because it was not far from where I was at. It was pretty far from where you were at at the time, but uh, and we saw that they had like thirty-five dollar dough permits for non-residents, and I'm like, you know, we're we're not making a whole bunch of money at that point. I think I was on even a seasonal job, so I was like, you know, that'd be a way to go out and experience a pronghorn hunt. Um, not necessarily shooting a buck, but like, shoot, that's. That's about as cheap as they come for out-of-state tags. So we were talking about that and it never got off the ground. And then we, um, I went to grad school in Illinois, Ryan stayed in Utah. And then we, about the same time, he moved to Minnesota and I moved to Montana. And then I was like, you know, now that I'm out west, I, I can probably go scope this out. And then um, Cam and AJ, the absentees for the podcast tonight, live in Denver. So if you were to look on a map, it's like, Missoula, Denver, Southeast Minnesota, they were all, you guys definitely had the furthest drive, but you still only had like a 12 hour drive, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It wasn't bad at all. Yeah. They were all within a day drive, even though Matt and Ryan's drive was a long day, but, um, was I the only one who had to fly? Oh, I forgot. Yeah. Yeah, Johnny's from far away. Yeah. Johnny. Yeah, so Johnny flew in to Denver. I flew in, I flew into Denver and then drove up with AJ. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I still had the. I had the long journey. He did, no. and he did not even buy a tag. So nope. it was actually. Yeah, we'll get to that later. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, we. I was looking. Our drive. Um, and, uh, our drive was sorry. Our drive was thirteen hours. So eight hundred and seventy okay, so, miles. Not yeah. too bad. Yeah. Yeah. So. I was looking on, uh, I went back and looked at the licenses and stuff and ended up, you know, there's still super cheap doe tags and I get, I don't know. Yeah. We were all going to buy doe tags. It was so cheap. But then at the last minute, Ryan was like, I'm just going to buy a buck tag. If we're going to do this, you know, I'm going to. Well, wasn't it, um, you still had to put in, you still had to put in for those doe tags. So it's like, you know, the time right now, I mean, to January to uh, Memorial Day, we still had to put in for these units to get points, didn't we? Even if you're doing uh, non-resident um, antler list, I can't remember exactly all that because that's the last time I hunted or applied in Wyoming. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was something. Well, so June well, we 1st, didn't have any points. Nobody had no, points. nobody had points. But we still had to apply, didn't we? Right. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I think I'm saying, I'm I think saying, our deadline to apply was the end of May. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm saying like we bought them, but we didn't really buy them. We were applying for them. But I was researching the units where it would be like centrally located for everybody and where there are really high draw odds plus a combination of that and looking on, you know, maps to see where there was actually big tracts of public land that you could go to um, because, I mean, we wanted to draw a tag for sure, but you also don't want to draw a tag in a unit where there's only a few pieces of public land that everybody's just going to pound because that that's something that you could see happening is people see high draw odds. Everybody applies there, shows up, there's very limited public, and it just gets pounded. So kind of did that. I also called up a warden down there um, in a couple of those units and talked to him about what the hunting pressure was like and like how, like, what we can expect as far as seeing antelope and access and stuff like that. And there was one unit in particular and um, it was high draw odds and there were areas with a lot of public you could get away a little bit from people. And there was a lot of areas to access in general. Some of them were small, but there's a lot of them. 
And um, so we decided I'll put in for those. And Ryan decided to put in for buck tag. And Johnny was coming along to uh, be a cheerleader and uh, experience the hunt. And so we ended up all drawing. It was me, Matt, Cam, and AJ with doe tags, Ryan with buck tag. And did we so put in as a group? We did not. Mm-mm. All single, yeah. I actually, I also, I said for second choice for everybody to put in for the unit like across the way so that if we yeah. drew two different ones, someone on their second choice, we would still be able to camp together and stuff. Or at least. Because we're, yeah. weren't the draw odds like 98%? 95. Like they were up that. there. Yeah, yeah the they buck, were high. The but it's not that high like, anymore. It, no. Yeah. The buck tag was like lower, but still high. It was like 70s or 80s. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we all drew, and that was great. And then um, I decided to go out and do a scouting mission. Met up with AJ in August. AJ drove from Denver. I drove out from Missoula. And uh, I think it's about eight hours from Missoula, and maybe nine to where we were hunting. And from AJ, it was about six. Um, and we went out there, camped out one night, walked around all over the place out there. Definitely worth it. Crossed off spots where it was going to be super easy access. Crossed up spots where we didn't see any animals. Um, and I ended up actually walking one spot really far back and didn't see a ton of animals. But I was like, you know, this is a place to get away from pressure for sure. So we kind of like definitely on the map marked areas where there are animals marked areas where it's hard to get to and then on the ground scouting too like some places had roads in there that don't show up on the map so it's like okay we didn't know that don't go there because you can drive through the whole thing and so we we did that and um then cam and i decided so basically we all were going to meet up there the day before season open which is october 14th and Cam and I actually got there the evening of October 13th, and we went and scouted that evening, too, for, like, well, in the be- moment. Before scouting. that, before that, did you guys find, you know, when you're down there scouting, mm-hmm. did you find, like, a camp spot, like, where you had to be or where we had to be? We, we scouted out where you could, like, you know, on BLM, because that's all BLM pretty much for, or there's a few state mm-hmm. patches. But I think that I talked to the warden. He said, you're technically not allowed to camp on the state land. So I think it was BLM. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so we had to scope out a spot that was going to be like proximal to an area where we could go hunt that looked good, but also like literally picking out where is a flat section of area that we can park and set up tents and stuff near where we're hunting. And that actually is kind of harder to find than you might think. There's a lot of gates right at the, like the entrances of these, like coming off the highway, there's a lot of gates immediately on these roads. There's a lot of uh, non-motorized access. And then there's also a lot of hills and gullies and stuff. So yeah, we ended up like Wyoming is a tricky state when it comes to like access, you see public, it's like, Oh, we can access this, but you can't go down these roads or all this stuff. So it, it's, that's a, that's a tough state. You got to know your laws and what you can get away with. Yeah. And some of those roads that are on, uh, like on X and other maps are private. Like you're not allowed to Mm -hmm. drive up those roads. Um, so that was actually really helpful with that warden I talked to also, he, he told us a few spots where it's like, just so you know, you can't get up this road or not. Anyway. So that was really important. Moral of the story, very important to go down there and get a little bit of scouting in. That might be difficult for someone coming across the country with nobody there to go do that. But, um, 
at least we weren't going in blind. And then for like in the moment knowledge, Cam and I showed up the 13th. So two nights before opener and we're all going to show up on opener. They're like, you know, set up camp and do some scouting also that day. But we were, we were running around out there a little bit. We really didn't see too much. We were kind of just looking at the front country because, like, that's all the time we had. And actually, um, right before you guys showed up that night, the wind was whipping like I've never been in. And I know Wyoming gets windy, and that's probably a normal day for them, but it was, like, 60-mile-an-hour gusts to the point where when we were – Cam and I were walking the edges of these, uh, you know, little, little draws and stuff, and if, you, like, you're getting, like – pieces of gravel like hitting you in the face it was just whipping everything was windy as hell but we still had a pronghorn pick us off at 800 yards even with all the vegetation moving and everything we got to the sage flat and looked up and there's one just freaking stock still staring right at us and turned around and ran away and i was like okay that's their work's cut out for us now because i'd never hunt a pronghorn or really try to get close to them and their eyesight is something else but anyway, so we went we went to uh, sleep that night. We had to do the whole we had to do the whole put our totes underneath the truck to make a, a wind shield in front of the tent. The next day, the whole gang showed up, and it wasn't windy. So then the hunt began because we wanted to get there at least in time enough to uh, to do some uh, scouting because that was the day before or an evening before, and so I remember. I don't know what all of us did, but I, I remember us going out there. I don't know if it was, we kind of split into two groups. We had six people. It was uh, me, Ruben, Matt, Johnny, AJ, and Cam, I think, right? And we split out and tried to find uh, uh, antelope for the the morning. Actually, scouting that night, I went I went with Cam to okay, a different so spot. Yeah. And, then we, and, and you we and... We regained plan when we got back. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so um, Ryan, you and I went out to that spot. You know, a big hike up there. Not a huge hike. It was probably a mile in, mile and a half in. Um, and we got up on that ridge that that kind of ridge where you can like look both ways for a while. And uh, it's yeah. kind of like this country that we're hunting is like a huge like kind of uplift of red rock, and we're kind of on this wide open finger like um uh mesa kind of deal where where you're up there and the sides of it are like sheer cliffs it's like four five hundred foot cliffs and then you get up on top it's a huge sage flat with a little bit of topography but not much there's one little spine ridge that's only like 50 feet tall probably running along the whole width of this thing or length of it and you can look from the spine ridge over to one side and see a whole bunch of country and over to the other side and see not as much, but decent amount. It's, it's all sage. There's a little bit of different types of woody vegetation where the rocks are like create some type of shading and aspect. So there's a little more moisture, but um, we sat down there and I'm like, this is where I went and scouted that uh, day that uh, AJ and I were out there and I hiked three miles back in there and saw a couple bucks. So I was like, all right, let's go. Uh, let's go there and sit in the evening and see what happens. And we ended up, um, we ended up seeing two groups of antelope. One of them was those five does that we didn't see a buck nope. with, I think. And then the other one was a pretty big group, about 
12 animals maybe. And there was one buck in there, but they were like right on the edge and kind of on the private and they were further back in there. So, um, we were deciding for the morning, we'd probably go and maybe, uh, you know, a buck would appear with those does or I had a doe tag. So we we're going to go for those ones first and they're over the ridge from the other ones. And then, um, if we didn't have a play there, we might go for those other ones. And then we came, came back to camp after we put those to bed, we watched them bed down on the opposite side of this little knoll. We didn't actually watch them bed down. I don't think they went over it right near dark. So we're like, they'll yeah. probably be there in the morning. I think another thing too, you know, the time frame of this hunt was October. So a lot of times, uh, well, in Wyoming, antelope are in rut phase in, uh, in September and stuff. So this is that post rut phase. Maybe they're still a little, you know, juiced up. They got the glands that smell like crap and stuff, but so they're still, you know, attracted to these doe groups and stuff. So, I mean, that was maybe a factor in that. Yeah. Yeah, you were still seeing bucks with those, which I'm not exactly sure. I don't know enough about pronghorn to know if they separate ever, but yeah, because um, I mean pronghorn are the definition of a herd animal. Yeah, uh, but, but back at what we saw, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we uh, we saw that and then headed back to camp. And uh, did you did you go over what Cam and you saw, Matt? Was Johnny, Johnny, were you in there uh, as well? No, Johnny was with AJ. Oh. No, Cam and I, Cam and I hiked a ways and did not see anything. <laughs> we found a little muley shed, but we did not see any animal, so. Okay, and then we did, John... we, So we, 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 we hiked far enough and glass enough that I think where we went, we crossed it off the list and we didn't go back there. Yeah. Not that that one evening scout was enough to really cross something off the list but it, i guess we had en enough other spots that we felt good about the where we scouted that night i don't, I don't think we ended up going back to so. so yeah we probably uh went back to camp and shared the stories that we just did and i think we decided didn't we decide to split into two groups yeah so groups three i think that the idea cam had the idea actually because Matt had brought along his camera equipment. Um, Matt is uh, now his professional hunting uh, videographer and photographer. Not yeah, not at this time though. <laughs> not not. But I not think I I, ago. I did. I think I did a decent job filming that hunt. But I go back and watch that that video that I filmed, and I like see all these things that I'm like had shit screwed up on the camera settings. I was like, oh, I should film this this way and all that stuff. But I think I did a, a, de a decent job filming it. But also, I I still look at those photos. I think since then I've come a long way in my photography, but I still look back at those photos from that day that you killed that buck. Not to spoil the story, but you killed a yeah. buck on the first day. I still look back at those photos and think that those are some of the best photos I've yeah. ever taken. And part of it is kind of like they mean a lot to me personally but just in general like that was a pretty epic like everything about that like the landscape was epic um the uh the cloud cover was awesome that day yeah, the we had like was amazing yeah uh we had a couple like snow squalls that came through and um blaze orange sunrises looks cool and all that. on like that wyoming sagebrush background with a with a cloudy cloudy lighting so yeah 
And if you all are listening and you're looking at our little icon on Spotify, that is one of the pictures we're talking about from that trip. That yeah. is our podcast cover. It was so pretty that we even paused hunting for a second. But anyways, so <laughs> yeah, Matt I think what you were saying was our plan. I, I so you and you and Ryan were gonna go together, and I was gonna head with the rest of them, but. I ended up deciding that I wasn't going to bring my gun and hunt the first day I wanted to film. And it made the most sense to go with Ryan because if he was going to, he was the one with the, with a buck tag. So, uh, that's how we ended up deciding that the three of us were going to go is that I was going to film and that's what we did. So, yeah, we did all that scouting, I think. (laughs) And we're like, that's probably the primo spot to go. We got, got antelope, uh, bedded. And so, me, uh, Ruben, and Matt headed off, and then Johnny, AJ, and Cam headed off. On Ruben's birthday, October 15th, everybody marked that on the calendars, was the, day of, <laughs> was the day of the hunt, yeah. So we, um, like we said earlier, we headed off, we split into two groups, and um, that morning we thought the best option was to get up early and hike through the dark. I'm talking, uh, I guess, me, Ruben, and Matt's side of the story. We'll go into the next one later. But um, hiking during the dark, get to where we saw those antelope. You know, antelope can't see very good at night, so they don't move. Um, And we hiked in there in the night or in the morning, I guess, and and got within reach of where those antelope were. We spotted them right away. We actually saw more than what we um anticipated and there was actually a small buck and doe and then that doe group that we still saw was bedded in the same area and then looking over to you know where that big group was we couldn't see so we're like well there's a buck with a doe you know the buck doesn't look that big i remember bringing out that spotting scope looking at it and i'm like well all right it's got a throw patch it is a buck and I'm like, I think it's worth just getting in range and making that decision at that point. Um, so we actually, is that correct? That's. Yeah. I mean, on the way in there in the dark, I found a shed antler, but you know. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We were finding the sheds in the dark. Didn't we, didn't we find like two sheds that trip? Yeah. Yeah. Two, three sheds and they were all walking into the dark. <laughs> no, but I think the buck, the buck ID is. I thought antelope don't patch. shed. No, they were mule deer. They were mule deer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And And antelope will shed. They'll shed their sheath. That yeah, right here. They'll shed that black part, and they'll have like one little point there, and then it'll grow grow on it. Yeah, I think antelope are are the only true horned animal that sheds. They don't shed their whole horn; they shed a sheath. Mm -hmm. But uh, just real quick. that's Antlers are made out of that. calcium, like bone, and horns are made out of keratin and are actually hair. So uh, that's, that's the difference between horns and antlers. Antlers grow every year and get shed. Horns are throughout the life of the animal, but the antelope, the pronghorn, the prong, American pronghorn is a little in-betweener where they have a horn, but they shed a little bit of it. Super weird. So, so that's why when you see a, a uh, an antelope shed, it's uh, it's like hollow on the inside, right? Because yeah. it's like, Correct. oh, okay, yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah. So, Correct. but I think that the buck ID is the cheek patch, right? Don't they have the black cheek patch? Yep. Yeah. yep the black cheek patch. Yeah, right on their mandible or pretty much yeah. your jawbone. So we um, 
Yeah, right, right there. See the black, yeah. black little cheek For pad. Anybody, no. uh, anybody who wants to, or if this is included, Ryan right now, I can see he switches decoration in yeah. his uh, recording room to have a picture of Matt, one of Matt's pictures from that day, which we were talking about, and he has the shoulder-mounted buck, which we had not yet seen at this point in the story. So we came up on uh, we came up on these does and um, one of the bucks. Actually, no, that one first buck was by itself. Because I remember I creeped up there to the edge of that lip, and I, we were glassing, and it was it was too far anyway. It's like 350, 400 yards, which I'm not a sniper by any means. That's too far for me. And um, and we we're looking at it, and we we're gonna maybe make a play on it because we thought it was a doe. But then we took a better look, and we saw, like you were saying, the black cheek patch, and we we're like, "Oh, it's a mm -hmm. tiny buck by itself." And then we let him pass, and we want to cross that opening and up onto that hill where we had seen those other ones bed the backside the night before. And lo and behold, we actually see a doe and a buck, right? Yep. Yep. Both. So Matt, Ryan, and I are in this, um, I don't even know what those plants are called out there. That succulent, that's like a bush. I don't know. I, I would, I would, yeah, I would call it, it's almost like a sage. That was pretty atypical about anything I've ever been in the West, but they were taller. Yeah. Taller plants, about four feet. So it allowed us a great opportunity to stalk into these animals. And then these basins were very open grassland type things. Yeah. And these antelope were in them, which made them actually pretty susceptible to stalking. Yeah. And so they came around the lip and it was a doe and a buck. Ryan had a buck tag. He's the only one with a buck tag. Bucks, there's fewer bucks. So here we mm -hmm. go, Ryan, right? And um, Matt got this all on film and it ended up being a very small buck. So small that even the out of state permit and everything, you're like, I'm not shooting that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I thought always, too, we, you know, we made a good stock on them. That buck, they were kind of coming through a pinch point. You know, there was a wash to the left, and then it was just a big open drainage. And it was kind of cool because me and Matt were together, and then you were still up on the hill back. But we kind of belly crawled in there, and we had one opening in that sage, that taller sage, whatever it was. And I remember Matt behind me and um, him saying, if that was a big buck, that would have been the fucking greatest like shot ever. You remember behind yeah, me and you, you yeah, had I was like, actually right. about to, I was actually about to speak up and say that I'm just, yeah. I'm remembering it's coming back to me now as you're talking about it, that footage exists. It's on a hard drive somewhere, but it's not part of the video that's, that's on YouTube because yeah. nothing ended up happening. But, yeah. uh, yeah, I remember if that was a nicer buck and you would have ended up pulling the trigger, that would have been super cool because I was right behind you. And I think like, when that buck stepped out into the opening, I had like, you were far enough in front of me where I had like you and your gun in the foreground out of focus. And then I yeah. had the buck in focus past you and it would have been like so perfect, but yeah. Meant to be. Well, I, <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, well, I'm no, that's not, I, I'm probably not going to shoot. And I wish we would have thought sooner. I don't know about you, Ruben, mm -hmm. but I, I wasn't thinking about it. And I'm like, I wish we would have thought to be like, Ruben, be ready. There's a doe in there. Never thought about it till the doe was already out of range. 
Well, I, I tried to, yeah, I guess when we decided to actually make a move on it, they were like moving out of range. Cause what were they when they first came in? It was like 150, 200. It, they were close. They were, yeah, yeah 150, 200. Yeah. Yeah. And by the time and I got my gun up it, and everything, it was like 250 or something. Yeah. But yeah. There's, we there's no shot that. though because they were going away. Yeah. Yeah. Sooner. But, but unfortunately, um, we actually kind of rolled up to the crest of this hill, you know, on our back here, we were kind of at a, on a high point with all this sage, but it just dropped off, you know, it's bench ledgy type country. Yeah. Um, like a cliff. And we like looked off, looked off of that, the glass. We're like, let's look on this backside. And there was five does or a, a group, of, group of does. And we're like, all right, Ruben, this is, you know, there's no bucks in here. Let's, let's uh, put a shot on these animals. Yeah. So I, so we, so yeah. I, I lined up on them, and um, they're so a little far off. They all started looking one direction behind, and we had seen a hunter about half an hour earlier further back. But, you know, we gotten up early and gotten there way pre-dawn, and uh, we thought we were far enough back where we might not be seeing much pressure. But on our hunter was coming in, and I was like, oh, shoot, they're probably looking at him. And, yeah, sure enough, they turned and started running. But then they stopped, and when they stopped, it was like two fifty ish or less. Yeah, I think I think close to three hundred. It was like two seventy, two sixty. I think on the film watching. Yeah. So I I had sighted in my gun, and I had hit okay. Oh, not even okay. I had I had hit pretty good at two hundred, but not at three hundred. Like I hit the target, but it wasn't a great you know deal. I'm I'm using. Uh, Springfield Game Master Pump Action 30-06. This tells you how much that I knew about pronghorn hunting and longer range shooting at that point in time. Because you do not want a pump action as your grip when you're shooting a rifle and trying to have it as steady as possible. So I always thought that was just a terrible shot in the past. And that rang true on this story because what happened was they stopped and I shot... And I, I felt pretty good about it, and I ended up shooting pretty wide left and, and hit this doe in the hamstring. Um, and it took off. Well, the whole herd took off, but she kind of fell off and slowed down, and Ryan's like, you know, and immediately Ryan's like, hit the back one. And then she split from the group, and we're like initially like, okay, that's good, you know, slowing down, splitting from the group. But you could tell she was still standing up and looking around, so I took another shot, and that one I think went right over her back, and it, it jolted yep. her back into adrenaline. She took off running like nothing happened. But we and we were the only reason we knew like how how she was hit was because of Matt's film later on. But um, yep. non-lethal. Well, eventually lethal hit probably, but non-lethal for then. And so that 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 sucks. But like since then, I've learned that that gun actually played a lot into that because I got a new gun since then, and I'm I'm shooting pretty well. I just hit up. Actually, this past weekend, I was hitting like an apple-sized plate at 300 yards. So um, that that gun sucks. And uh, anyway, so we, we I hit that antelope, and um, we, we went to track it, obviously, because we knew we hit it, and we wanted to see maybe I clipped something where it was bleeding out good. How far is it going to go? Maybe actually we were hoping it might bed down somewhere, and we could sneak up on it and get in our shot. Turns out that after I shot the second time, they also go off and – following their track they did not stop running for at least half a mile and by the time we got to where you know well they they crossed property property line so we could yeah that's that's it we probably would have found that animal maybe potentially but it yeah it hit that property line and 
it's like we can't go any farther yeah. you know and at the so. time that we're at the time that we're stalking or not stalking tracking this this doe that i hit a snow squall rolled in right mm-hmm. and yep. it got pretty yep. shitty out for a little bit and then and then the cross property line are like you know sign was gone we couldn't really tell like what was going on because there's some snow and wind and everything and so we we decided to sit down to eat some lunch i think well one thing too um before that we actually saw those two bucks that were bedded right we saw two bucks that were bedded and then they kind of already picked us off i felt like and we tried to move in on them and they knew we were there from yards away. Oh yeah. So and it, yeah. It, yeah. And we're like, okay, we tried to move in, yada yada yada. They kind of went off, busted off the hill. And so meantime, Ruben mentioned this hunter earlier. So that kind of forced the issue, I feel like, on his doe that he shot. Because we're like, okay, we have this hunter right behind us, walking up the valley. He's gonna bump these. Well, and I, I think he did bump these does, but he's going to bump these does. They're going to be out of here in no time. So advantageous Ruben and us, you know, we, we take the shot and it didn't end up good. But then also we kind of talked to the hunter after that. We're like, well, we're, we're tracking this, uh, this doe. He was going to head up the valley. And so we were tracking it. And then uh, we saw these two bucks tried to put a play on it. They saw us gig was up, but after that, we were a little deflated. Yeah. 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 It deflated. We, all right. We shot a doe, wounded it, didn't get it. You know, there's bucks right here. Decent ones. I would have shot, um, didn't get it. And then all of us, well, and then we're like, I personally, I don't know about you guys. I think Ruben was probably the most ambitious of us. I'm like, I'm fucking, I'm ready for some lunch. You know, I'm ready for some food. And uh, didn't you look up, Ruben? And then all of a sudden, uh, yeah. So I, are... so we were about to sit down for lunch. I think that Ryan and Matt wanted to eat something. Matt's Matt's a lunch eater, not a breakfast eater. I was already eating when this happened, actually. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I had put my camera away, and I was already eating my sandwich. And then that's why you eat breakfast. So you're not that hungry. Um. <laughs> so. <laughs> So they were sitting down to eat and I was like, you know what? I'm going to glass this ridgeline just like one more time before we sit down and make sure nothing's happening. And I looked up and literally there are like, there's a buck and two does like sprinting around this butte and then coming straight at us. So I'm like, guys, guys, this antelope coming. Like they're going to come and come down the, you know, they're going to come across this draw below us. Like let's run down there. So you guys mad dash scrambled and put your stuff away i guess um i think why don't we matt you were the observer mostly because you were filming what was your your aspect on that when i first saw him or did either Um, either? so no no i i did not and i didn't really (laughs) i mean as uh as just being the guy filming and not shooting i didn't you know, once you said they were coming, I didn't really bother to try to get my eyes on them. I was just like, oh, you know, I had to just get ready, get, you know, in position and then get ready to film it. And um, I actually kind of just scrubbed through the video to kind of like refresh my memory. But I think we ended up uh, 
it's kind of hard to describe the topography, but we kind of dove down into a kind of a, a, a mini wash, you know, like just a small mm -hmm. little um, ditch um, just for cover. And we had high ground on our right and we were hoping they would come right in front of us, but they ended up swinging behind us and uh, we had to do a, a 180 yeah. and I had to kind of move. I had to kind of butt scoot out of the way because I was filming from behind Ryan yeah, and they so, came behind and, and we did a 180. So I had to yeah. obviously butt scoot. So we were the down way. there. We were down there because the way that I saw them running, um, I thought they were going to cross at this little ditch before it dropped off, you know, really deep. And we were sitting there for a while. And finally, we're sitting there and it's like Ryan's in front prone with his gun. I'm on the side with my binos. Matt's on the other side with the camera. And I'm like, they should have they should have been here by now. Like they were hauling ass, you know, I'm like, they should be here somewhere. So we're like looking around, looking around. And I don't know how long we were in that ditch, probably like three, four minutes. I was like, where are they? And so I, I like peek over my shoulder and your GoPro footage, Ryan, you can see when I first saw them, I peeked over and then I like kind of froze. Yeah. And then I like kind of slowly sank down and turned them like they're right behind us. And they were actually like up the hill from us pretty much exactly where we were eating lunch. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, Ryan, go ahead. Was it about 80 yards? Yeah, I 100 yards, I think it was. I, I don't know if we even ranged it until after the fact. I'm like, they're in range, boom. Yeah, there was no time to range. I remember, Ruben, you saying, they're right there, they're right above us. And then I looked at you guys. I'm like, are you fine with this? All right, we're. right, I'm going to swing. You guys are going to have to move back, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot. So... I swing, I turn around just slowly with my gun, and then you guys both kind of go off to the side, and they see us at this point, because um, antelope, I feel like they bunch up before they dart, so they're, they're still scattered, you know, running in kind of a line, and all of a sudden they see us and kind of just bunch up, and I'm like, all right, they're going to they're gonna um, scatter here, so before they bunched up a little better, this buck right on the horizon... Um, hundred yards. I'm like, I got to put it on him. I was following his shoulder. I'm like, all right, when he stops, I'm shooting. Boom, shot him. Drop like a, drop like a pancake there. Yeah, and, it dropped immediately. And yeah, that I feel like that was a great moment because you know it dropped in our lap. I know hunting. That's sometimes out hunting, but I just remember you know us like high five, like shit. Yeah, you know, like we just. <laughs> We just shot the the hardest permit to fill, you know, a nice, a good buck. That was probably one of the biggest bucks I will say that I saw on private and public land through that whole unit. Um, not a stud stud buck, but I'm like, yeah, that that was that was a great moment, you know, when you're well, almost like you gave up and then all of a sudden something drops in your lap. It was a it was a big swing because we were just tracking that doe that yeah. we we gave up on and it was bad and we were about to like t sit down for lunch and boom all of a sudden we were in the action and then and then yeah to have it be like not even a great situation and then you just turn around and you freaking shoulder shot stone that thing and that's the yeah. fun part too is like it went down instantly so it was kind of like immediate <laughs> like high fives you know it was it wasn't any like yeah. you know. It wasn't the typical, like, wait, go track, find it right there. It was like, that thing was done. And uh, yeah. it, was, it was pretty Yeah, that's, that's, that's hunting, the highs and lows. But 
So then we cleaned it all up and, you know, we got everybody's permits to fill yet. We got five guys with permits. So we got one filled. Yep, four left. So we um, uh, uh, caped it all out because I was going to mount and stuff like that and took all the meat and actually dashed all the meat in uh, in that wash we'd stocked, covered it up so the crows or anything didn't get it, and then we kept trucking. We're yeah. like, let's go farther up Valley because that hunter, that hunter was still, you could see his hat and he was walking around and stuff like that. So we're like, let's try to get a little higher, get above and away from some of this pressure. So yeah. we were we were walking, like Matt said, it was high to our right. There was kind of a butte type thing. And we were walking down this kind of game trail. And then all of a sudden I see this like weird, like pointy object. I'm like, that is a weird looking damn rock. And um, I went down, grabbed it up. I'm like, what do you guys... What do you guys think this is? Like, this is not normal. Like, this shouldn't be in these. Everybody, every, rocks are all weird shapes and all this stuff. There's a this pointy object here, and you're like, oh, it's it's a, um, a shark tooth or some shit like that. And I'm like, it looks like an artillery round or like a round. Yeah, I think you're saying it looks something. like a bullet, yeah, like a little torpedo. That's that's what I thought. Right here, right here it is, and I'm like, what the hell is that thing? That's not normal. And I'm like, it's got like scales on it. So I'm like, weird scales and shit. <laughs> so transition into that, that yeah, we found uh, it. It's a bellum, bellumite, bellum, bellumite. Ryan, I, th- I thought you were a fossil guy. Like that. I'm not I, a I feel like I remember guy. this story as like you <laughs> found this thing and you're like, that's a bellumite or whatever. Like you knew right away. You're well, telling me. So you shit, Johnny, I remember. Well, I didn't know what it was. And then, Johnny, you're like, Go to um, Reddit. You were the one like. <laughs> yeah, that's Reddit. right. Okay. I remember this now. Okay. And I'm yeah, like. Yeah, I remember this better. Yeah, okay. I don't know what the hell this is, but this is not natural. Or it was natural. But, and that's why I went to Reddit. And then the guy's like, oh, yeah, it's a Bellum night. We go down to that area all the time and look for them. And, you know, it's a. Uh, yeah. Um, squid or something, right? Yep, it's a extinct squid. You know, early Jurassic to Crustacea period. So it's it it's like a hundred fifty million to two hundred million year old fossil that we grabbed, and then uh, there was also right next to it laid a a rattlesnake hide, like a rattlesnake shed its hide. And I'm like, that's pretty badass. So. You know, it's a win-win of the little little things you find in the woods. But so we kept on crawling up the mountain, looking for another doe because Ruben had a doe permit. And then at this point, we're like, "Well, Matt, you can use my gun too." You know, this, and yeah. uh, we 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 moved up and we saw a few way off and so way off, like way miles off. off. But, Way off, um, and then I think we came to the conclusion we were too high in elevation as well. Yeah, so we ended up that day. Uh, well, we got into Mule Deer Country there because we we actually yep. Matt actually just picked off a big old forky and a, and a little yep. guy in that rocky stuff. And um, other than ha- having a huge vantage from that butte where you could see everything, including antelope that you could never go after within an hour or two because they're so far yep. away. Um, we decided to go back down and, um, basically I think we, we 
Oh yeah. So we got, we went back and it was like, we we're going to pack it up for the day, grab your antelope, packing it out. And we're getting more towards camp. And we actually jumped a buck in a, in a draw there. Like we're walking, talking yeah. and not paying attention. And we jumped a buck right out of the draw, like a nice one. And he bolted over the hill, but ended up, I think, I think we ended up hiking 14 miles that day. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. antelope. Yeah. You know, I was reading articles when me and Matt were driving out and it says first day, second day, do not leave the truck. It, <laughs> like it would say that it would be like first day, second day. There's no need to leave the truck. Just keep your gun in the truck, drive the roads, find your antelope. That's what the article said. And I'm like, and granted, like you said, we're on. Is that a, the lazy man's guide to antelope hunting and yeah, Wyoming? I, I, well, I think antelope hunting is known as the lazy man's game. Yeah, and and it definitely is. It definitely is. But I think in our situation, we were in uh, one of those first year draw units, so it's a harder unit, not the abundance of antelope. And then also, I think those units that do that um, are limited access to public land, which. As we hunted, as our hunt went on, we found out that uh, like access to some of the good spots were just limited. You know, we we were where we were was amazing, but we kind of burned that out, and then we had to go to these other spots. I wouldn't even and we say kept that, running into hunters. Yeah, I wouldn't even say that where we were was amazing. I've I've antelope hunted since then. Yeah, it's seen a lot more. We we were in a spot where. There were fewer antelope for sure, but there were way fewer hunters, and there's just a badass yeah. place to go and get one. Um, like yeah. I would not yeah, say if true. you want to see a lot of animal and pick, through, or if you don't see a lot of animals, if you want to pick through animals to get a bigger buck, you wouldn't go there. We saw two, three bucks, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, but yeah, it was anyways, cool landscape, that's for sure. It was, it was so sweet. badass. Yeah. But anyways, so but then, we don't want to breeze over just real quick, real quick. We we went back and we had a grand old time cooking up the bear stir fry. And uh, playing guitar and drinking, and immediately when we got back with your uh, buck, I think that Johnny walked up to me and said, "Happy fucking birthday, man!" and, and handed me a beer and made me oh. shotgun it. <laughs> <laughs> that was my that was my contribution to the weekend. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, and then and then and then the guitars came out eventually. Hmm. That's true. And then the guitars came out right on my, I had to switch my screensaver on this computer to that picture. I think Matt took, um, of us with the old Toyota Tundra and the camp chef and all that stuff going on. And then the two guitars the playing camp around, uh, it was a night picture. It, well, it was that I got a little Weber grill and we put the fire on that Weber grill. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And we're sitting and, and all I, around I having beers. I, uh, I, uh I had like face paint on that day, and I and, and and at that point I had like really long hair then, and my face paint was all like sweating down my face, and I just looked like an absolute psycho in some of those pictures. <laughs> I think we got so drunk that night that you were letting AJ put the face paint on your face. Yeah, <laughs> that might have been. There was face paint already on, and you wanted more on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh. No, I just remember our uh, our uh, you guys were were playing some uh, Chris Knight, 
and we were doing a little sing along. That that was one of the that was one of the highlights of the whole the whole trip for me, I think. <laughs> yeah. First night success. So there's more to that first day than what we said right now. Johnny, I want to hear more about your and AJ's first day. I hear something about going to a diner and antelope hunting that style, but uh, tell us a little about your first day out there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Well, we we trekked around, we trekked around for a while, and I, I think we 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 didn't see too much. I I think I think we got a little bored and just like walking around. So we ended up going into Casey, Wyoming, and, and Casey, Wyoming is a town of. Uh, I mean, it's definitely like under like a couple thousand, maybe maybe uh, like. I, I think it's a couple hundred. Couple hundred. It, it's a look at probably up, because where we went was was the probably. the only establishment in town, and it two hundred and seventy eight. Okay, yeah, yeah. It felt <laughs> like we were we were walking into into a into a nursing home, like where we walked into this place. Like everybody there was like over eighty five. And like me and AJ walk in, and, and like they were all looking at us, like who the hell are who the hell are these guys? And uh, I I don't remember exactly what we ate, but it was not a great meal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was that was that was yeah. No offense to Casey Wyoming, but that was probably the low light of all the food that we that just that just set the bar. It was like anything after that was going to be like absolutely amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we, we went there and I forget if after we ate there, yeah, I think it was just, I think it was just me, me and AJ. And, um, I can't remember if we went back out and walked around some more, but I mean, I, I think at that point, AJ and I were like, I think we want to just start drinking beers and get after it again <laughs> tomorrow. So I feel like we went back to, back to camp and like hung out and, and waited for you guys to show up. Cause I was looking at my phone and I, I have some some pictures of just me and AJ just sitting at, at camp, just in the in the chairs, just sitting there drinking. Um, and this, <laughs> you know, the sun's still high in the sky at that point, so <laughs> I think we were pretty lazy that day. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, but they have uh, just so a, a, a high point for Casey Wyoming. I think they have a Chris Chris Ledoux. Like settled down there at the end of his days, and they have a they have a museum or monument or something for Chris Ledoux. Yeah, they get that rest stop right off of who I don't know what highway that is, but there's a rest stop and it's uh, dedicated to Chris Ledoux. If you ever hear of Chris Ledoux, he's uh, he from. I think he's from Casey, Wyoming. I, know, I don't know. I if think that's... He, he, he ended he, up there. He died in Casper, Wyoming. He died in Casper. Casper is actually the second largest uh, city in Wyoming. And a fun fact of that is Wyoming actually has more antelope pronghorn than people in the state. <laughs> Populations fluctuate yep. from 400 to 500,000 antelope. This year, due to the winter, um, they probably have less than that. But, yeah. but I want to hear about... By the way, real quick, I found how many steps that day, that first day. Uh, we At least my counter was 42,000 steps, which is about... Which was about fifteen miles of hiking, so nice. pretty good. That's 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 twenty. It's about two thousand steps for a mile. Yeah, Does maybe. Yeah, I, it's right? probably not perfectly accurate. That's actually pretty impressive for uh, yeah. that one article I read that said uh, first day, second day, probably just stay in the truck. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was day one, Matt. That was day no. one. Holy cow! Yeah, you guys are driving around and then going to the bar. Hey, 
Hey, success is not measured on the animals you bring home or the beers you drink. You know, it's about <laughs> all, the, all the fun you have. That's what I say. Yeah. Well, Matt, I want to hear about your day two adventure. Heard you got into some antelope. There was a shot involved. And uh, let's let's break down that a little bit. You want me to just recap break it. down that day it. for yep. you? Or? I remember like creep like creeping through that ravine, right? The three of us, and then we kind of came. Yeah, up so we went in like early. Prone. Yeah, we went in early. We spotted some. Uh, we used this real deep wash to get real close to them. It ended up not working out, so nothing really, nothing really to report about that. But then we ended up pu- pulling out AJ's sleeping pad that he brought with, and and kind of napping for a little while, and glassing every twenty minutes or so. And we ended up, <laughs> uh, you know, snacking, napping, and glassing. <laughs> and um, we ended up seeing some, and uh, they were coming. At, we had a. Uh, really good view of a huge landscape like probably you know we could glass up to maybe a a mile away almost and uh we ended up seeing a pretty good group of i think they were all does i'm 99 sure they're all does maybe 12 or 13 of them maybe coming across and uh going up top to this little kind of like I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the Wyoming terminology would be for it, but it's like this little kind of sage meadow on top of a, of a, you know, I don't know, a small, a hill. And, um, they went up and got out of sight. And as soon as they got out of sight, we just booked it. And, uh, as fast as we could, we got over there and creeped up. It was pretty good incline to get up there, but we creeped up real slow. And AJ was like, you, you get up there and you shoot first. I think we both set up to shoot and we got to like 150 yards and um, we both kind of set up. We I think we both had bipods that we set up and uh, just kind of got down on our butts and um, AJ said, you go ahead and shoot first like a- AJ is. You know, AJ's the most selfless guy yeah. in the group. <laughs> And, uh, AJ tells me to shoot first and, um, my memory of it is pretty foggy cause uh, that's kind of what happens to me with a lot of situations like this, but I picked one of the does out and, um, I think that I, I we, we ranged it at, I think we ranged it at 150. Um, and that I was shooting at 270 and it was zero to 200 or 150 or 200. I can't remember. And for some reason, my inexperienced uh, mind told me to, to put it a little high, and I, I put it on the top of that doe's back, and uh, I missed high. And uh, it was kind of disappointing, but um, the, 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 what I learned is that shooting a rifle is not as easy as just looking through the scope and putting the crosshairs on something and pulling the trigger. There's a lot more to it than that. It's, you know, if you, when you don't do it much, it's, it's not something that you can just grab your rifle and go and expect to be accurate out to 200 yards and be comfortable with it. There's it definitely, uh, it takes practice to, to be used to it and, you know, comfortable with it. 
And um, so I was kind of disappointed about that. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's that's what happened on day two for us. So from Matt's experience, we uh, see that there's still antelope in their area. Um, Ruben and AJ have scouted this before. We've seen consistent movement of antelope through this property. It's a small piece. Um, and we decided in the morning to go back. Me and Ruben, um, Cam is going to go by himself. And uh, Ruben, yeah, go into a little bit of uh, what we uh, did in that morning. We showed up back at the same place that those guys were in the morning. And we, we start walking in there. This is a place AJ and I had scouted and seen pronghorn in August. Um, and then they just, uh, you know, had opportunities there. And uh, Cam went on his own. And so we walked in there. And as soon as we're walking in, Cam calls me. And he had shot one. And it was not that long after we had, like, you know, gotten over there pretty quick. So we're like, wow. And, and he, um, he didn't really know a lot. I think that's the first big game animal he's ever killed. So Ryan decided to like skip out on me. We had both of our trucks there. So, uh, Ryan could go get his truck and meet up with Cam and help him deal with the animal and leave me, you know, to my own devices. And, uh, I was in the same spot in, as they were in the morning and we went, or I went and I saw some pronghorn coming across this opening and it was like eight, 800,000 yards away. And like Matt was saying, 800,000, 800,000. Yeah. Like Matt was saying there was, um, there was a really deep wash in that spot that you could like, I mean, it was like 12, 15 feet deep. I think like it was deep. And I literally, mm-hmm. I saw those antelope and they were out in the open. And there's one tiny little knoll where they were, they went behind. And I was like, if I can get there while they're still behind that knoll, I got a shot at this. And they were not that far from a property boundary. So I literally like sprint, I ran like 500 yards, like just all out run through like that wash and like across a little flat. Finally got over there, looked, I still couldn't see them. So I'm like, they kind of slipped behind the knoll. And I, I ran up there and finally like crept up. And I looked over and they're like all standing there like 60 yards. And I ended up uh, shooting one right off of that hill right there, like 60 yards, which um, is pretty close for uh, for an an- first antelope shot or any antelope shot. 60 yards is pretty close in antelope country. But that's why I like that area we're hunting. It had enough topography where you could actually like, put some good stalks on it. There's a lot of other antelope country where it's like you're looking for the tiniest little bush to hide behind it in like a mile around where it's all flat, but it really lent itself to closer range animal sh- antelope shots in that area. So I broke off of Ruben to uh, go help Cam retrieve his antelope. He retrieved his and Ruben, like he just shared, um, we came back and he dealt with his antelope and we thought the best scenario would be go going back to that same piece of public that we've had success the last three days. Um, we actually classified it the old honey hole. It was a small piece of public, not too far off the road, but um, this was day four going into it. And Matt had a Matt and Ruben had a different altercation with the antelope and um, what they're actually going to explain here. So uh, if you guys want to, go explain that and dive into that. That was an interesting uh, tale. Yeah. So this was on the, 
the last day, um, and uh, which was day day four, three or four of hunting. I can't remember. Four, but yeah. um, I was just with Ru- Ruben and I went, um, and uh, it was kind of a last ditch effort to uh, try to find a, a doe for me. And um, we went back to the piece that I missed on, which we talked about, and then Ruben killed his on. And uh, we actually came up to the same kind of little meadow on top of this rise that I kind of described earlier, but we came from the other side. And um, we got up there and there was there was a doe. Uh, I can't remember if there was one or two, Ruben, I don't know if you remember, but they were standing it was yeah okay so it was just one and uh she was right there kind of just standing right in the right out in the open kind of where i missed that one couple days previously and um we quick took a seat and um i i she was making her way over towards us we weren't really doing anything but just sitting there kind of uh waiting in the weeds and um she got to about, I don't know, a hundred yards. Would you say Ruben is when I was about to, um, pull the trigger on her? Would you say it was at about a hundred yards? Maybe. Yeah. Right around there. Maybe a little over. It was close. Man, it was, per- it was yeah. close for that country. The weird thing about it was that we had popped up there and we had started walking across the flat and then I was like, Oh shit there's a, there's a doe right there. So we sat down. I'm like, there's no way she didn't see us. But then she kept coming at us. Yeah. So I think what, what happened there was she saw us and she actually, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but this is not uncommon antelope hunting. They'll see you and start coming closer because they're curious. I think it depends right? on what they see. So I think she saw, yeah. So she saw something, some, some of our movement and she just kept coming closer and um when she got to about 100 yards is when i was getting ready to to shoot and uh we see some blaze orange um on the other side of her um about i don't know 200 yards from another 100 yards past her maybe 200 yards from us and um i think you saw him ruben right um, so what happened, I think was we were walking up, we were walking up there and we saw a truck run up there and we're like, why is there a truck running up here? And it was, it was on the private public boundary. And then we kept walking cause we, yeah, he came yeah, in so from we kept private. walking cause we saw the truck and we we're like, oh shit, well there won't be anything here. And then we kept walking and then there was a doe and we we're like, get down. What we didn't know, I think was that that truck dropped a hunter yeah. off right there. And then you saw him, I think, I think yep. you were like, there's a hunter right there. Right when we're like lined up on the sand. Yeah. And then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I immediately went from like getting ready to, to line her up and pull the trigger to like, well, this is not a comfortable situation. And, um, I think I ended up just like laying down on the ground and then, uh, cause, cause we were worried well, that he was said, about to, that he was said, about I mean, to shoot. Like, you said he was lined up on the doe, which is like pretty much right at yeah, us. Yeah, because I could, I could see him clear enough that I could see that he was, he had his gun shouldered, and uh, 
So yeah, I immediately just like laid down on the ground and I think you grabbed your hat and like waved it in the I air, threw it right? And I chucked it up. Yeah. And um, right. and we're yeah. sitting there and he's like he's aiming pretty much directly at us cuz that doe is almost in line mm-hmm. with us and him. And then mm-hmm. boom. Yep. He dropped her. And so we get up how how far was that doe from you guys at this point? I'd say hundred yards, or less. Pretty close. Yeah. And and so. Yeah. Then Matt, what what did we do after that? Yeah. So we, I mean, we I think we waited a minute or so to make sure that you know he had killed it and wasn't going to shoot again. But we saw it drop, and we get up and start making our way over there, and um he's standing at the at the doe when we get there and the craziest or the scariest thing was i remember like asking him like did you see us did you know that we were there and he said no we were like holy shit that's that that's not good so um i don't know i the whole situation the guy didn't really the guy kind of rubbed me the wrong way in general also because he was really like kind of like nonchalant, like kind of brushed off everything about the whole situation. Like even just shooting the doe, he was kind of like, yeah, whatever. Like probably a little defensive, like, oh, these guys in public just came uh, up to me. No, it wasn't even no. that. He was just like really like he just he, he was just like he said made some comment of like, oh, yeah, this doe, I figured I should probably. I wasn't gonna shoot her, but I figured I probably. Like just weird comments like that. that like, his, yeah. So he was from Michigan, and I think he said that his friends dropped him up off here because they said that they come across this public all the time. And then he's like, "Well, she showed up, so I guess I had to shoot her." And I was like, "Pretty nice." Yeah. Yeah, kind of like that. There's kind of like that. It's kind of like a Midwest attitude. I feel like kind of like acting like you don't care about your success <laughs> shooting success. an animal or something. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel like those yeah. people maybe like deep down they actually do care, but like they they like to act like oh yeah whatever like like that middle school kid shoot that, like that oh I I don't want to put too much effort into it, but I still yeah. want to look cool, you know. Yeah, and he did not give a shit at all about we about. The fact that we were like right yeah, behind, behind that it. doe yep. when he shot it, when we told him yeah. he, he had, he, I don't even think no. he responded. Like when we asked him if 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 he knew that we were there, and he said no, and then like we told him, kind of like our side of the story, like what we had just experienced, and he, yeah. I don't even think he no. said anything. He was just like, eh. yeah, just whatever, went along with yeah. gutting it. So I think I don't know. Yeah. It was. That left a that left a bad taste in my there's mouth. There's your there's your hunt from the truck on the first two days, guy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Totally. Well, I feel like maybe that's the way to. Well, that's a bad way to conclude yeah. that hunt. <laughs> it is. It I is kind of how the. It's it how is kind of how everything. Conclude. It's how the hunting concluded. Um, I, I think a couple hours after that, a huge snow snowstorm rolled in and. We had already moved camp to the to the motel, which was just yep. perfect timing. Um, I'll take the credit on that. I booked us yep. uh, two hotel rooms for the last night because I knew that we were going to want it. I obviously didn't know that the snowstorm was going to come in, but 
I remember the rest of everybody was kind of like, ah, no, we'll, we'll rough it in camp the whole time. And I was like, nah, I think we're going to want that hotel room on the last <laughs> night. And so I booked it. And, uh, yeah, that snowstorm ended up coming in a couple hours after what that story that we just told. And that was the end of the, the hunting. And I think we ended up getting, what, 10 inches that night? Room. And we, yeah, I remember walking through, walking through like at least six, seven, eight inches of snow, uh, to go to that bar, which I, I wish I was just yeah, trying to look up, trying right. to remember the, the name of that bar. But we walked there in a snowstorm, and by the time we came home, it, it, it bar closed, it had snowed like a few more inches, and uh, yeah, it, <laughs> it's a good thing we had the yeah. hotel. And my drive back, yeah. yeah, so the last. The last, the last hunt didn't go well, obviously, as we just explained, but we ended up going back to the motel and I think we had uh, some more elk burgers. And then like Johnny just mentioned, we walked to the bar through 10 inches of snow and had a hell of a time at the bar and, and ended the trip on a, on a good note. There, I was going to so. say, I think a positive note, I know it ended on that, you know, non, uh, not very good hunter practice, um, there, but I think on a, at the end of the day, I mean, that we all had opportunities at, at antelope and uh, antler list versus ant, antlered. And I mean, at the end of the day, we're all there just to meet up and drink beer and have a good old time. And I mean, what's best than some pronghorn hunting and in Wyoming. But yeah. I think to, to kind of roll into it, I mean, some takeaways from that hunt, you know, as much as we talk about just us getting together and, having a few beers and drinking in the hotel and stuff like that. It's my takeaway rolling into that would be, it's not as easy as it thinks, as you think, you know, you read these articles. It's like, you got a rifle in your hand. Um, you got these, you're in Wyoming. You should have no problem of shooting an antelope. You know, sometimes going the extra yard is going to gain you success more times than not. And I think in our area too, where we first started was a larger span of public land, but then some of the better areas where we hunted were small pieces of public land, but we saw a lot of antelope, but we're all on private. So, I mean, it, we just didn't have access to a lot of the better antelope, but I think going the yeah. little extra yard, getting off the road, because a lot of the guys we saw that were out of state just stayed on the road. So, yeah. and they, they yeah. went home with uh, an empty truck bed. So my takeaway personally was just to be more prepared. Uh, I had not, I don't think I mentioned earlier, but I had not done any rifle hunting ever uh, before this. Mm -hmm. So like Johnny mentioned, we grew up hunting waterfowl and I had never done any rifle hunting. You, I mean, you got to have a first time for everything. So there had to be a first yep. time that I pulled the trigger on an animal with a rifle, but I hadn't practiced with that gun. So my takeaway was if I'm going to go out and do it again, which I plan on doing, um, just to be more prepared with and be more comfortable shooting and have some do you have confidence. A, do you have a setup you got, you have now? Or yeah. So I just recently purchased uh, a rifle. I bought a 270. Um, I bought a, a Weatherby Vanguard 270 and, um, I put a Vortex Viper uh, 3 to 15 by 44 on it. Um, and uh, I'm just 
just going to shoot that a bit. I don't, I don't have any uh, plans for a hunt this fall, but probably next year at least, but I'm just going to start shooting that, um, you know, dial it in this summer and, uh, shoot it every once in a while and just be comfortable with it. And then that way, the next time one of these hunts comes around, I've got something that I'm confident in going out there with. So that might be a perfect whitetail uh, gun for Wisconsin or something. If you yeah, ever want yeah, to hop for over sure. the border. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a kind of just do it all gun. I think I feel like a 270 is yeah, just a versatile sure. rifle. And so, so yeah, I might use it in Wisconsin this year, but for yeah. out West, maybe, maybe next year. Yeah, for sure. How about one of you Johnny, guys? You go. I want to hear about your whole thoughts and the whole thing. Was that your first big game? Hunt yeah. You've been on? How about, how, not not so much, Johnny. You're just take home on the whole experience with the fun of hanging out with us. We're trying to run around these dang speed goats and stuff like that, and you're you're just out there uh, having fun with us. Yeah, I mean, I I had just as much fun being out there hanging out with you guys, seeing you guys do it, and just kind of following along as as I would have had I had I had a tag. So it was great, just. Uh, being out there in it, getting my steps in, seeing some, seeing you guys, not, not seeing you guys take down, down a pronghorn live because I was the bad luck charm, obviously, but, uh, it was, uh, awesome just to see you guys be, be successful and, uh, and, uh, heart, harvest three pronghorn and, uh, just getting out there and, and hanging out out there. It was an absolute blast. And, uh, you know, we got to uh, maybe start thinking about when we're going to do this again. Cause uh, I- I'd love to. Yeah. Sure. Well, my take home, you're going to be short and sweet. There's nothing better on your birthday than black bear buddies, a bonfire and a dead buck. <laughs> alliteration with the bees, the alliteration, jeepers. Just Black bear, bear, buddies, bear grease and everything, Ruben. And beer. Bear grease everything. Beer, right there, alliteration. See, Matt's Black giving me fucking. Bonfires, Matt was bonfires. giving me hard times about the good old fashioned meals and all that Eating stuff. And jeepers. <laughs> that, uh, and the yams. Shit. We're referencing a YouTube video you can find about this hunt. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll put it in the link or in the bio. So, yeah, I mean. But but, but I think for everybody getting into this, um, you know, this was our kind of a brand new DIY type situation where we didn't know anything about Wyoming, didn't know anything about antelope. And um, just getting into it, getting your doing your research on it. And then also I think a big take home is just putting the boots on the ground, being there to get the layout of the surroundings before you actually start hunting. Because, um, I think that actually led us to a lot of success because we were out there hunting and then all of a sudden we already shot an animal before the next hunter got out there. If, if we wouldn't have that preparation, we wouldn't have probably been successful with that buck and even a shot on that doe on that first day. But I think preparation was a big thing. So do your computer e-scouting and then also get your ass out there and um, hike hike the ground you're going to hunt. Yeah. But 
Don't forget your yams. yams. (laughs) Don't forget your yams. Hopefully you enjoyed our 2020 antelope hunt. Good time shared in the woods, good laughs, success measured in both animals taken and also the fun had. Um, Next week, we're going to have a non-hunter that now became a hunter on the podcast and break down her first experience trying to take down a western guy and if you guys like what we're all about you can follow us on instagram at story podcast official and also follow us on spotify and i want to give a special thanks for johnny and matt hogan being on the podcast reminiscing all the good times we had so thank you johnny and matt and uh until next time